very exciting guest on my podcast today. Uh, we met on a plane on the way to Dublin. So, Dev, I'm about to introduce you to Dev. Dev, say hi. Hi, Sophie. <laughs> so, me and Dev met on yeah, the plane to Dublin, and Dev works at the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies, studying astronomy and astrophysics. I'm correct, yes. So we got chatting about Greek mythology and astronomy and how much is entwined. And because uh, astronomy has a lot of relation to uh, Greek names, and so we wanted to combine the science and the mythology aspect of it. cultures saw pictures in the stars of the night sky and um, the earliest reference we have to astronomy in Greek constellations is the one and only Homer. So this is around 7th century BC and he describes the creation of Achilles shield by the god Hephaestus so beautiful it's, it's, it describes the earth as the sun and the moon waxing full and all the constellations that crown the heavens, the Pleiades, the Hyades, the mighty Orion and the bear which we're going to be discussing mythology about later. So um, at this time, I, I should say that it wasn't necessarily associated with like myths or heroes or gods as it is now. That's in the zodiac in which we have all these beasts and myths which are now shown on the night sky and seen in, in that way as in astronomy. So Dev's just going to give us a little introduction to constellations and how they were imagined. Yeah, it is very interesting to know that uh, since uh, ancient uh, humans ever looked up at the sky, they always found patterns from chaos and associated all their divine beings and gods to all these stars and what happened is that you know the constellations moved in the night sky you know the similar as the sun uh, sets rises and sets and with this they were able to come up with a lot of stories and legends and how they associated their lives and particularly they were also good navigators so so far we have uh, 88 constellations that are recognized by the international astronomical union their boundaries are set, so these constellations occupy the entire sky. And, uh, so there's no more of new constellations that can be named. And a few of the 88 zodiac uh, constellations come under the zodiac. Zodiac, um, a Greek word coined meaning a circle of little animals, represents the beasts, and many of which were defeated by the great hero Hercules as part of his labors. So Hercules ironically means the glory of Hera. Um, considering she tried to diminish his glory in every single possible way. I mean, as soon as he was born, she was out to get him. She disguised his daughter and wife into snakes, and then Hercules uh, killed the snakes, and then realised the utter humiliation and shame that he'd killed his own daughter in, after Hera lifted the veil of um, delusion. So um, part of he needed to complete these labors in order to redeem himself as a citizen in, in humanity. So he was under strict laws to complete. Originally it was supposed to be ten, but then it ended up being twelve. So um, these some of these beasts have ended up in the night sky, and we can see them today. So one of them is Leo, the Nemean lion. It shows in the night sky what looks like a lion, and this story basically was about, this was his first labor, and 
this one is so intrinsic to Hercules because so much of his art is is depicts him wearing a lion coat. This was his first labour and he managed to complete it. And then Cancer the Crab was actually a crab, obviously, who, who, who bit Hercules' foot whilst he was trying to defeat the Hydra, placed there by, Her placed there by Hera. And um, Hera then put this constellation in the sky. So the Hydra was one of, his, one of his huge tasks. And basically the Hydra grows 10 more heads every time you cut it off. So it required a lot of endurance from Hercules, but he still managed to do it, even there being a crab, being in the way. And then finally, Taurus the Cretan bull. Um, Taurus is the bull that carried the beautiful Europa over the seas, the region of the world that now bears her name. So Europe. <laughs> so Europa was a beautiful daughter of the king of Phoenicia. And it's said that she was so beautiful that Zeus fell madly in love with her, a classic case. So Zeus changed himself into a snow white bull and mingled with the herds of Agenor for which Europa was caring. And um, she, she began to stroke its neck and pat its shoulders and finally she climbed on its broad back and the bull immediately began to move across the sea to Crete where Zeus resumed his divine form right before Europa's startled eyes. And Zeus had su successfully kidnapped Europa and to com commemorate his great achievement he placed a picture of Taurus among the constellations and an earth well uh where most of us listening will be on it today Europe okay so this is just one of so many fantastic stories which have now played up across the sky traced from one constellation to the next Artemis the virgin Greek goddess of the hunt one of my favorite goddesses is credited with placing more than her fair share of constellations up there like we're talking Ursa Major, Orion, and Covus, just to name a few. But um, before I talk about Orion and its myth, I'm I'm gonna ask Dev to tell us a bit about zodiac and how it appeared in the sky. Uh, thanks, Sophie. They relate and reflect so much about the desires and uh, legends that were uh, talking in ancient times. But in reality, uh, the zodiac is band of constellations that follows the ecliptic. Part of the sky which the Earth's orbit extended crosses to the equatorial plane. Ecliptic is a pattern or the path that when the sun appears to rise and set in the night in the sky every day and over the course of the of the period. And these constellations appear to follow the same path. And also planets, because they are in the same orbital plane, uh, follow the uh, ecliptic. And hence, uh, zodiac constellations became very important in the sense that they repeated every year and uh, you were able to actually associate them to different months and different seasons. Wowzers! That's undeniably fascinating. As this has been established, the, Greek belie the Greeks believed that the Olympians put all these people, animals and objects in, in the sky, um, often to serve an unmistakable lessons of proper behavior, because obviously the gods were always trying to push down humans so that they could never achieve immortality. So often entire stories are playing out across the sky, traced from one constellation to the next. And um, oh, uh, Artemis, the virgin Greek goddess of the hunt, one of my absolute favorites, is credited with placing a lot, a fair share of constellations, like Ursa Major, Orion, and Covus. So Orion is actually such a good story and there are so many different interpretations of it. Like, was he completely in love with, with Artemis, maybe, and achieve his, his, life, 
his life goal of being of impressing Artemis, a myriad of stories. So he ended up killing so many animals that Artemis, as a protector of animals, ironically, ironically punished him and stung him with a great scorpion. And Scorpio can also be found in the sky because Zeus placed um, his the constellation there. And then we've also got Orion seeing Artemis naked and because she was a virgin Greek goddess she had to kill him because this was the ultimate punishment and her chastity was gone and so she had him killed and then Zeus put him in the sky. Okay another classic one is that one day Orion was swimming far out at sea and Apollo points to a speck on the horizon and dares his sister to strike the the target with her arrows. She accepts the challenge, being the goddess of archery, and easily hits the mark. She realises that her brother has betrayed her and she has murdered Orion. And the reason that Apollo did this is because Greek gods are all incesty and he was basically jealous, which is a whole different cat of fish, but sadly that's just how it was. That's one of the stories and then that's why Orion ended up as a constellation. It was normally like as sort of like a redeeming voucher for them. They didn't have to end up dying. They could still achieve immortality in the sky. Dev, can you tell us about the constellations of mighty Orion, please? Anybody going to a place that's dark in the night, if you look, it's possible to see the Orion Nebula with naked eye, or sometimes you can use it binoculars. And Orion is probably one of the most interesting and fascinating uh, areas of the sky to study because there's a lot of activities happening in terms of you know, new stars being born, a lot of gas and dust reflecting from the light of the stars. So it is about 1,200 uh, light years. So to know light year is the distance traveled by the light uh, in one year, which is about uh, 150 million kilometers. Orion is, uh, in fact, uh, also one of the closest regions to the Earth. And for example, the closest star is uh, Proxima Centauri and it is just about four parsecs. And uh, to actually understand how far these distances are, we need to appreciate that uh, the sky is very vast. So even to go to the closest star, it will take you about 78,000 years if you go with the speed of rocket. Christ! And next to Orion Nebula, there is also a very famous structure that some of you guys would have seen from images from NASA, so this is called the horse head nebula. So the gas actually looks like a horse head uh, peeping out. Really? And you guys uh, should actually take a look at it. And if you get a chance, uh, you should go to, you know, place that's dark, somewhere close to a nearby hill or, you know, region that is uh, not polluted by light. And then it's possible to see Orion Nebula with with uh, small binoculars. I'm yeah. actually going to look into that recently. In after after knowing so much of the legend behind Orion. <laughs> yeah, after knowing the legends behind it, but I just, I'm actually so excited. Like, and actually, um, I was reading that there's a story, there's this book called Immortals, which I've ordered on Amazon, which I probably shouldn't have ordered on Amazon, but and didn't really have a choice because I'm in Ireland. Anyway, so, um, it's, so it's about Artemis prowling the shadows of modern Manhattan um, under the name Celine de Silva, defending women from abusive men. And like so many New Yorkers, Cellini rarely sees the heavens above because there's too much light pollution and too much skyscrapers. So it's basically a story indicating that we need to respect the sky more, obviously less pollution. And also it's almost very comforting to think that there are actually people out there looking, looking down at us. And like many people associate their loved ones and, and past 
uh, family members who sadly passed, we can imagine them watching, uh, watching down on us. So the next uh, group of stars I'm going to talk about is the Pleiades. So these are called the Seven Sisters. And in Greek mythology, there were supposed to be the seven daughters of Atlas, the giant who bears the world upon his shoulders, hence why we say you have the map Atlas. It was basically just because of their great sorrow at the burden imposed upon their father that it was redeemed that they would be placed in the sky. But um, more importantly, and almost a bit more excitingly, we're going to hear about the astronomy of the Pleiades. So these uh, stars, uh, they're very visible in uh, night sky. So the first astronomer to actually look at them closely uh, was uh, Galileo. And uh, he found that they had a large group of stars. And currently it's estimated there are more than 1,000 stars in these clusters. But of all of them, there are actually nine stars that are very famous. It's a myth of seven sisters. So always out of the nine, seven were visible since ancient time. And uh, we came up with the myth of the seven sisters. And so these stars in uh, the Pleiades are uh, mostly hot and young. And that's why they have intense radiation that's visible as a blue light and that we can see. And they're very nearby, so they are based mainly in the Taurus constellation. So if you look at the Taurus in night sky at the end of the Taurus constellation where the bull's head is, so that's where you can see the uh, Pleiades. And there's also another cluster in the same constellation called the Hyades. And so all these stars are very interesting to study because they give uh, us an understanding of how stars evolve and what phases are they and what their ages are. And that gives a better understanding of how they are. I'd just like to tell everyone that Dev is reciting us all from his own brain. So I'm just here sitting very impressed about how much he knows without, without any notes. Me and Dev, no, sorry, Dev and I, uh, were discussing on the plane the Ursa Major, which is the Great Bear. And um, this, is our, this is one of my absolute favorite mythological stories and um, one of Dev's absolute favorite constellations, if I'm correct. Ursa Major, the big bear, and Ursa Minor, the little bear. And this is, so here we go. It's a classic case. Zeus takes a looky-looky at Callisto, a classic beautiful nymph, and he has secret visits with her. And this fueled Hera's je jealousy and determination to revenge against these women. And one day, as Zeus was walking through the forest with Callisto, he saw his wife Hera coming. And unable to hide Callisto in the time, he turned her into a large brown bear. And when Hera arrived, she saw only Zeus walking by himself. She looked around, searching for someone with Zeus, but saw only an old brown bear. She didn't trust this, so she went back up to Mount Olympus, very suspicious and thinking to, her he to, to herself, what could be going on. So Zeus did not want to go because he wanted to change his girlfriend Callisto back into her human form, but Hera insisted. This just left Callisto as a large brown bear. Now, there's another story that Callisto was hunting in the woods and was a proud member of Artemis's tribe, and Zeus fell in love with her and slept with her, and because she lost her dignity, Artemis banished her and turned her into bear. And so this is a classic case of the female gods enacting patriarchal values on women in Greek mythology. And even though Callisto did nothing wrong, she was banished because she lost her chastity. Unknown to Zeus, Arcas, Callisto's son, was also a great hunter and was out on the woods hunting that day. And he saw this great big brown bear and he put an arrow to the bow and shot the bear through the heart. Um, so Arcas had to then watch the bear as it died and change back into his mother, Callisto, which is just so tragic and sad. 
and Arcus was obviously <coughs> sobbing and wailing what he'd done to his mother and Zeus oh I mean thank god he did something after all that horrible deeds he did and he um he then appeased this technically by putting them in the sky as a small bear and a big bear together and they're curved towards each other um is the is the constellation in the sky is it able of expressing the emotion of that story and do the do the big bear and little bear almost seem connected in the sky yeah, in fact, uh, Ursa Major and Ursa Minor are very close to each other and they look very similar. The most uh, famous constellations in the night sky, it's very easily easily visible and uh, it's used to actually locate the North Star, the Polaris. And so they have, there is like a four stars that form like a pattern, like a plow, and uh, that's why it's easily identified. And then once you identify the pattern of Ursa Major, then you just look straight up in the sky, you will be able to find the North Star, that's the Polaris. And so anybody who wants to do astrophotography or etc. can actually use this as a reference and take pictures, for example, star cycles and a lot of astrophotography relating to star trails. And so Ursa Major was... Uh, one of the constellations that was used majorly for navigation because in the northern hemisphere it was visible most times of the year and uh, next to Ursa Major is Ursa Minor again it has a similar pattern actually visible most time of the night and especially if you're living in Europe or the US you'll be able to see even in a mildly polluted uh, zone so you don't have to go to a very dark uh, place they, towards them are some of the very famous extragalactic sources, such as galaxies, for example. There is still astronomers are puzzled why a galaxy that's uh, so uh, far away, which is old, has a lot of active star formation happening. So uh, if you guys uh, know that if people are interested in astronomy or space, there is uh, something called as the Hubble Deep Field. So what happened was there's the Hubble Space Telescope that actually looked at a part of the sky that is for a very long, long exposure time. In a sense, they wanted to peer through the most distant part of the universe and uh, they were able to find galaxies that were almost close to when the universe began. So it was about like 13 billion years. And so the Hubble deep field is also uh, situated in the constellation of Ursa Major. I could certainly imagine that it's very emotional for some people looking up at the night sky and seeing the two bears bending towards each other. So the next story is a pretty classic case of the gods trying to assert their authority over humans. So a woman called Cassiopeia, um, Andromeda's mother, boasted that Andromeda was the most beautiful woman in the world, even more beautiful than the gods. Right, so you're not, that's just not what you're supposed to do as a human. Seen Artemis and Apollo killing savagely thousands of people if they claim to be a better set of twins. And the brother of Zeus, the god of the sea, took great offense at this statement, for he had created the most beautiful beings ever in the form of sea nymphs. So in his anger, he created a great sea monster, Ketus, to ravage the sea and the sea coasts. It's never just like a, oh dear, you said that, let's, um, let's sort you out. It's always the very extreme, dramatic nature of the gods. So at this point, Cassiope would not, even, would not even deny her claim of the beauty. So she had to sacrifice her daughter, Andromeda, 
So she was chained to a large rock and it's been depicted in art so many times, completely naked. And um, finally, um, Perseus, who has just slayed Medusa, comes and saves her and they fall helplessly in love. So in a way, it's sort of a romantic, happy story. But, um, and he faced this sea monster and drew the head from Medusa and, and turned it into stone. So um, he freed Andromeda. So actually, despite Cassiopeia saying a pretty horrendous thing in the eyes of the gods, it actually worked out pretty well in, in Andromeda's favour. So, Dev, um, I'd love to know the astronomy behind Andromeda. The most interesting aspect of Andromeda constellation is that uh, towards it is the Andromeda galaxy, or the M31. So it is the only galaxy that is visible with naked eye. And it is also the closest galaxy to our own galaxy, which is the Milky Way. Oh. So there is also an interesting study which says that uh, the Andromeda galaxy and the Milky Way are moving close to each other. Oh, is that and right? they're going to collide in about 4.5 billion galaxy. But uh, Andromeda is very beautiful. It's, got, uh, it's, it's uh, actually outwards and at the center of the galaxy is actually a black hole and uh, there's a dense cluster of stars. So Andromeda pictures are very beautiful. You can uh, take them using a simple amateur telescope and or at least even with the naked eye you can uh, go and see this galaxy. And it's like a fuzzy little object in the night sky. So it, it's not very sharp like a star. Uh, but if you're able to look and uh, try to find the Andromeda constellation that is right at the top of the constellation, you know, from all these stories, you can also kind of from relate that one constellation is close to another. For example, Perseus constellation is close to Andromeda, mm -hmm. and because they're all part of oh. the same sto story, and in the sense that when the night sky, when the constellations move, it looks like one particular mythological creature is chasing another creature oh, or hunting so it amazing. or escaping it or. Uh, or it is, you know, all connected together. Yeah. So um, we're going to conclude the stories there. I think I can speak on behalf of everyone listening that this has been so fascinating to hear how astronomy is so entwined in our lives. And I think more than we realise in the fact that so many people identify their own zodiac signs through their uh, date of birth. Like I believe, like Taurus, you're very confident, more of a like, protagonist figure. And the other ones, I mean, that's obviously not everyone's cup of tea, but... What about, is that your cup of tea? Not really. I mean, uh, in fact, now we know these uh, constellations are basically pattern of stars and uh, each star in this constellation is not associated to each other. And uh, there's something very interesting that we need to know. In fact, that everybody's zodiac sign will not remain same if you're born in some different epoch of the time. That is, oh. in the sense, are very useful to understand seasons and that was uh, used for navigation in in uh, ancient time and now nowadays we have more of signs such as GPS tracking etc and more so what all of this is uh, about and what it gives us is the appreciation of how vast this universe is and our place in this universe and the fact that uh, we are uh, you know tiny speck of dot sitting on this earth and trying to comprehend where we are, who we are, and uh, how we came here. And it's so vast, the scale of the universe, it just makes us more wonder and curious because naturally we are all 
pioneers and explorers. And I think at the conclusion of this podcast is that the myths make the stars seem a little less distant and the universe a little less vast. That's that's all for today. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm so excited about all this and I actually can't wait to listen even more and explore more about astronomy. Yeah, thanks. Thank, thank you, Sophie, for uh, this nice podcast and I enjoyed uh, sharing a bit of uh, my knowledge. Oh, freak G.